Uh, if you're wondering why I have this here, we, the Christmas present opening got a bit violent and uh, <laughs> it was between my wife and I. We've got a lot of issues. No, uh, <coughs> shaving incident. I wish I had a really cool story like I fell off a skateboard or something, but I was a bit silly this morning and I cut a chunk off my uh, chin. So if you're praying, pray for that. <laughs> I'm going to pray for us. Father, we want to thank you for the privilege to gather together as a church. And God, whether if we are people who are distant from you and don't know anything about you, or whether we know who you are, that you would reveal more of yourself this morning. Please drown out the noise in our hearts and head. In Jesus' name, amen. On the 15th of August, 2011, at 5.06pm, weighing at 3.17 kilograms, or in the old school, 7 pounds, after a seven-hour labor, Elisha Philip John was born. And I remember holding my son for the very first time in my hands. He was all a bit gooey and, and he was looking straight in my face and he had these big sort of brownish eyes staring right back at me. And there was a lot of emotions going through. I had just seen a labor for the first time in my life and there are images imprinted in my head and my heart. And if you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't have kids, just wait and see. Um... It's imprinted, but also all of that, there's a lot of emotions and a lot of thoughts going through my heart and mind. And there was lots of thoughts flooding inside of me and inside my mind. One of the thoughts that flooded first was, I wonder what he's going to look like in a Hawthorne jumper. (laughs) The other thing that flooded into my head was I looked at his back and there was a lot of hair and I thought, poor kid, he's got a lot of hair on his back. But in the midst of that, I also had some serious thoughts. One was when I held my son, I welled up with tears in my eyes and I thought, God, I can't believe you blessed me with a little boy. God, I pray that you would save him, that he would come into a loving relationship with you. That was one of the thoughts that came to mind. So a lot of thoughts went through my mind, but I will tell you something. One of the things I definitely know I did not think about or thought that did not come to mind was, I wonder what his purpose in this world is all about. I wonder why he was born. What's his purpose of being here? See, in the account that we just heard, that John just read to us, it's a very famous story. It is actually about the birth of Jesus Christ. We've sung songs about it this morning. You have heard about it throughout the the shopping season as you're heading towards the shops. All the songs are playing in the background. But see, the birth of Jesus begins with one clear statement. See, in this moment we are told very clearly why Jesus came. What was the purpose of his birth? Why he came to this world? We're also very told very quickly in the verses that we just heard that Jesus' birth happened this way. That when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, engaged to Joseph, Before she even came together with him, she was found with a child with the Holy Spirit. It is a very clear statement for those of us who are listening, even those people who are hearing it for the first time in that time when they heard the Gospel of Matthew. It is to say, this is not a normal birth. What has happened is not normal. It is out of this world. It is miraculous. The reason why is what has happened is because it could only be done by God. And so this baby comes into the womb of Mary. 
because Jesus has a purpose. And the account that we have here is a guy called Joseph. He's a good fellow. He's a guy who loves God, follows God, he fears God. That's the language that's used here. And you understand, right? Here he's engaged to a girl to be married and he hears that this girl is already having a baby and this baby is not actually his. So all the emotions are going through his heart and mind and in a sense he has every right to turn around and actually divorce her. He could have actually done it publicly. He could have done it very overtly and put shame to her and her family. But because of who he is, he turns around and says, no, I'm going to do this quietly. I'm going to quietly divorce her. And he's thinking about these things. He's pondering on these things. And in the midst of that, whether if he fell asleep or not, we don't know. But in a dream, an angel appears. An angel appears to tell him very clearly what the purpose and who this child is and what he's here for. Joseph is told very clearly, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife for what which is inconceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you should call his name Jesus. When I ask my parents what my name is, they have no idea. I ask them why they call me Shabu. They have no idea. They don't even know what it means. And I've talked to a few friends of mine from in uh, Japan and Philippines. In the Philippines, it means marijuana. In Japan, it means crystal meth. I have no idea <laughs> what my parents were on when they named me. But the thing is, when a name is given in the Bible in particular, there is a purpose behind it all. And in this moment, this angel says to Joseph, as a man who should actually name his own child, he's already told him, no, you will name him Jesus. You will name him Jesus. Joseph wouldn't have heard English. He would have heard Aramaic or Hebrew. He would have heard Yeshua, which means the Lord saves. The Lord saves. Joseph, this son, is the reality of God's great plan. The plan of God to save the world. To save Joseph, you, and to save Mary as well. Because God is the one who can only do this. Jesus comes in existence in this miraculous way. Not only that, Jesus' name explains his mission, that he's been sent to be the one who saves. Because God is the only one who can save No one else can. You can't. I can't. God is the one. And we can't save ourselves by trying to be really good. And that might even mean going to as many Christmas services as possible. That will not save you. Because the only one that can save is God himself. And is displayed in this beautiful reality in Jesus. And we are told very clearly that his name will be Jesus. He's the one who saves. But we need to ask, how is he going to save? And we are told how he saves. We are told here, in the verses that was just read to us, he will save his people from their sins. Jesus came to this world with a purpose. He was born with a purpose. This is happening before the angels, before the stars, before the wise men. It was very clear from the word go, Jesus came with a purpose. 
That is to save people from their sins. See, Christmas is a reminder for all of us that Jesus came as the one, as a representation of God himself, because God is the one who saves, to save us. And how did he save us? Well, he lived a perfect life. The life that you and I cannot live because he was already born perfect. Not only that, he actually died. The death that you and I deserve to die because of the sin in our hearts. See, this is what causes the decay that's going around in the world today. Sin. Sin is much more than us doing bad things. Sin is us saying, no God, I've got this. I don't need you. I'm in charge. And we do that. And we see very quickly what happens in this world. But God, because of who he is, his amazing love for his people, for his creation, he sends his son and says, you can't do this. I'm going to fix it. Here, have my son. And he will die. He will die on a cross. But see, that if that was the end of the story, If that was the end of the story, uh, there would be no point of you and me meeting here at 9.30 for 45 minutes to talk about Christmas. There'd be no point of you and I singing songs. There would be no point in us giving actually presents to each other. There would be absolute no point. Why? Because Jesus actually rose again. See, Christmas is a reminder for a few things. One, that Jesus rose again as well. That is why we can celebrate with great joy. Why? Because you and I were dead to our sin. But God in his goodness and mercy, not because of all the good things we've done or ever will do, because of his love for us, sends his only son to be that perfect gift to die on a cross and then be raised again on the third day. So this means if you're a follower of Jesus, you should celebrate Christmas well. You should celebrate with great joy. You should celebrate in such a way that this is much more than just a gathering of family and presents. This is much more deeper than that. So you should celebrate with great joy. If you don't know Jesus, and maybe you've come this morning for the first time, you've never really thought about this, can I encourage you, don't fall in the trap of just exploring the Christmas story as some sort of celebration, as a Christian tradition. Explore it. You should ask the question, how could a virgin become pregnant? That should actually make you go, what is that all about? So explore. Maybe someone brought you here, ask them, what is he talking about? Is Is he off his nut? What's he talking about? Ask and find out. We've also got some Bibles here as a church. We believe that God's word is real and it's active. We'd love for you to, if you don't have a copy of a Bible, take it. It's our gift to you. It's free. Merry Christmas. Read about it. Read about this account in Matthew. And this morning, maybe you've already started your Christmas celebrations yesterday. Maybe you're about to start your Christmas celebrations. Maybe you're sitting here and stressing out because you're wondering if the turkey is going to go dry because I'm talking for too long. Or maybe you're thinking about the presents you're about to give and will that person like it? Will this person like it? You're worrying about all the kids and World War III is about to break out as presents are being handed out. In the midst of all of that, if you're a follower of Jesus, can I encourage you? Reflect on the reality that you were once dead in your sin. God in his mercy saved you. 
And so celebrate Christmas with great joy. But we also know this reality in the last two weeks, the terrible tragedies that have happened in this world. As a reminder to us that everything is not completely finished. That sin in its depth and messiness and ugliness still is infecting everything. And Christmas is a reminder to us there is also the hope of the reality of things being put right again when Jesus returns. And when listen, when Jesus returns again, he's not coming as some little baby in a manger. And when Jesus comes again, there is going to be no doubt in mind that this is Jesus. Because when he returns again, he will come as a warrior king. And all of us will have an opportunity to bow. You will bow. Either we will bow with great joy and submission or we will bow as a defeated foe because the king has returned. And this is the great joy of Christmas. This is a reminder for us. And in light of this, this morning, go celebrate Christmas with great joy, but also realize you've been given a new purpose. And if you belong to Jesus, your purpose is not to live for yourself anymore. As you go and share, look for opportunities to talk about Jesus. As you give presents, talk about Jesus and his gift to you. You've all been given a purpose now because of what Jesus has done and what he has done by coming to this world. Because he is the one who has died for our sins. He is the one who will take the sins of the world. And he is returning again. Let me pray. Father, I want to thank you for Christmas. Thank you that in your good mercy that you permitted this to happen. Thank you that you're the only one who could have done this. Oh, Lord Jesus, we just praise you and worship you for who you are. Help help those of us who know you to celebrate well. For those of us who don't know you, help us to explore this reality. In Jesus' name, amen.